The moon's an arrant thief, and her pale fire she snatches from the sun. The Interplanetary Podcast, the exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in North Devon, Matthew and George Russell. Oh yeah, baby. baby Shakespeare. The uh, past tense for William Shakespeare mm-hmm. is "Will I was shook spear." <laughs> right, is that actually correct? Is yeah, "Would I was shook spear"? "Would I was shook spear"? That's good to know. I'm not uh, especially good for those studying A level English. Not this is more basic English, you know. More like basic English, okay. Understanding <laughs> so, past tense. <laughs> so uh, obviously, the podcast isn't about, isn't going to be about William Shakespeare. Uh, we've decided to do a moon special. A lunar episode or a moonly episode. A moonly episode or a Selenian episode. Yeah, Selenian, or you can also call it a Synthian. A Cynthia, yeah, a Synthian episode, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. There's so many adjectives that can be used Well, I, to describe I, something that pretends to the moon. Well, that's because the moon is undoubtedly one of, you know, Definitely one of the biggest cultural influences. Yeah, no matter where you are on Earth, you can always look up and see it. Yeah, and not only that, of course, it it governs so many things like farming, hunting, um, cycles of certain animals, the way that they behave, etc., etc. So, yeah, big time. It's going. It's it's it's, and of course, the months are based on the lunar cycle. Well, yeah, at least uh, in the Islamic world and other parts of the world especially in you know like asia and, and mm. eastern places they use the yeah. the moon as as the you know the lunar calendar yeah indeed go on then george tell me tell me a few facts about the moon if you dare the moon yeah just like just some like you know your normal facts like <laughs> how, how big not is fun it? facts not fun facts just normal facts so like how far away is it from the Earth. Well, it varies. So, on its highest point, it's three hundred sixty-two thousand kilometers, or three hundred sixty-three thousand kilometers from the Earth's center. Right. Was that? That's about. That, that's about quarter of a million miles. Yeah, yeah that's that's his lowest point, mm. and its highest point is four hundred five thousand kilometers. So, so that's because it's in an elliptical orbit. Yeah. So. It was it previously believed that it wasn't in a circular orbit. Yeah, that, who who was the um, before Galileo, the person who believed that the the planets and various other objects in the sky moved in accordance to Platonic solids? I would imagine Plato. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no it was uh, Copernicus. Copernicus, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't he believe that all the orbits were? He circular? did. Well, yeah, but they know that they were related to things. But it was, yeah. But even Archimedes knew that the moon wasn't sped up and slowed down. Yeah, and when they, when he made the apocalyptic, whatever it's called, um, device that actually had this weird kind of loose screw that allowed it to, to simulate the um, yeah i always th- i always think it's moon's funny orbit. i always think it's funny when people say you know if the moon were five meters closer to the earth then everything would you know it would all go wrong but like 
it literally varies by, <laughs> by thousands <laughs> of kilometers. Yeah, by yeah. tens of thousands of kilometers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's yeah, a lot of those things are, are, are completely ridiculous. And okay, so it's 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 very far away in terms of in terms of its diameter, roughly how compared to Earth. What what kind of what kind of diameter does it have? Yeah, it has a diameter of one quarter Earth's. But its density is less than Earth, so that means it has a sixth of gravity. So that's about uh, 0.165 g. Yeah, well, but although it only has one sixth of the gravity, it's actually very dense for a moon. For a moon? For a moon, yeah. Yeah. So it's actually got a lot of gravity. In fact, you know the only moon that's, that's actually got more gravity at its surface? Titan. No, no, Titan's nowhere near Io. the gravity. Io, yeah. Io is the one that's got... It does look dense. Just from it look- does look dense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> looks like your looks like your mates at school. Wow. Yeah, no, is that not very nice? It's a deprived that, that politi- area, Dad. Oh, sorry, is that politically incorrect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's it's considered a, a planetary mass object, a PMO. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Which, which which is defined how planetary mass object? What makes something a planetary mass object? Is it by any chance something which has a mass comparable to that of a planet? No, it's not. It's not. It's something that can make itself spherical under its own mass so phobos isn't one of these things no phobos really isn't no it has also not no so so mars's moons are pathetically small compared yeah, potatoes to, they're little potatoes compared to uh, the moon moon and so much so that eventually they will hit the roche limit and just be torn apart and that actually won't be that long in terms of astronomical time how long no i can't remember it's hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, but soon. So only like the length of human history. Yeah, something like that. So you know, and and they and, and they will be turned into a ring system, a pathetic ring system, mm, like a and, very thin sort of. Yeah, but in actual fact, I've talked about this before on the podcast. The uh, the the moon could eventually become a ring system around Earth if it got if it got low enough. Yeah, so uh, it's drifting away from Earth. But eventually, it'll start falling back down towards Earth. Because um, ti- yeah, because because once if it's close enough, tidal forces we can yeah. just completely rip it. Apart. So that's known as the Roche limit. So as it gets, it goes past a certain point, and then tidal forces will just rip the Moon apart as it gets closer. But that will be after the Sun goes red giant. So whether so whether we actually get to see it or not yeah if is, humans are alive then we will likely be in another star yeah. system yeah so yes the, the moon although it has reached what's known as a um hydrostatic equilibrium right so that is the planetary mass object definition it's massive enough to reach hydrostatic equilibrium in other words round to get rounded under its own how round does it have to be like rounder than a like a golf ball or something um no it's just uh, just enough that it's it's overcoming all the forces like it it, obviously it's easier for a liquidy planet yeah to 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 get into it into it so it takes into to that into account it's not just about the mass well there's a there's a disagreement amongst all the different uh, institutions about what constitutes hydrostatic equilibrium according to iau 
the, the mass has to be big enough to overcome rigid body forces. In other words, if, if you're completely rocky, like the Earth, it, it, it has to still be able to spherize and overcome rock the forces within rocks to, to still crush down into a sphere, whereas the moon only managed to achieve it when it was sort of more molten. But its equilibrium, its static equilibrium has gone now, its hydrostatic So, so, so it's an unfair test, basically. It biases planets made of liquidy stuff. Yeah, but, but obviously the moon at some point was liquidy enough to become rounded off. And you can tell that it's that, that, that at some it's one of the only confirmations of a planet that has been hydrostatically in equilibrium, only to lose it. So it's no longer in hydrostatic equilibrium. It can't overcome its own um, rocky. So basically, so basically, a planet that's round but shouldn't be given the temperature yeah. that it's at yeah, now, currently. Yes. Yeah, so yes, implying exactly. that at some point it was a different consistency. Exactly, and and there's a lot to learn from that as well because. The bulge that the moon has caused by tidal forces. So you know, obviously, the the moon rotates at the same at the same uh, it rotates the same amount of times as it as it's going around the Earth. So the same face is always yeah, it's tidally locked. It's tidally locked, and that happens obviously because it's it's nicking energy off the Earth and it's being slowed down um, in its orbit uh, because of orbital mechanics. But and that's why it's drifting am away I right, as well. Am I right in saying that it's a misconception to say that the reason it's facing Earth is because its heavier side is on? on yes, the Earth absolutely. Side? So, but what will happen is as well, well is it? Yes, absolutely. Isn't it? It's a misconception. It's or? a misconception that its heavier side is facing. It'll just slowly slow down, but it will be a heavier side because, of course, as that face faces you. The Earth's gravity is literally pulling that sphere towards itself, so that causes the tidal bulge, which we see the tidal bulge on Earth as as the as as Tides. waves as tides. <laughs> yeah. So that so that the sea is pulled up towards the moon, and therefore you it, it it's it's higher up in the sea on both sides of the ocean as well. So you you get tides, but the, it's a permanent rocky tide on the moon where that where it's been pulled up but it's been pulled up further than it should have been. So the bulge in the moon, its, its shape isn't round. It's not round. It's, 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 it's bulging in the middle. And the reason why it's bulging more than it should do is because the moon must have been a lot closer at some point. So there's one piece of evidence that the moon was a lot closer. At some and you can, yeah, you can work this out using Newtonian mechanics. In fact, Charles Darwin's son, mm-hmm. George Darwin, yeah, uh, actually was the first, one of the first to work this out, or presumably the first. Ooh, that's interesting. And so, what, what, what did he? What was he? What, what was his conclusion? He came from the fact that yeah. So he he believed that the Earth and the Moon were one body, and that due to centrifugal forces. Uh, the the Earth Moon kind of system span at such a rate that uh, a chunk of it got launched outwards that then became the Moon. Mm. So yeah, so you've got like the, the the Earth is spinning so fast and it and it can't hold on to the outside edge because it's spinning so fast and so that outside edge comes off and becomes the Moon. That's kind of what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. It? I think that isn't that called fission. That's the fission hypothesis, isn't it? I think it's not really a modern hypothesis. No, but it is a. Uh, do you know it why was? It was the consensus among scientists in that era. Yeah, and one it of was, the reasons why it's been debunked 
the angular momentum of the Earth-Moon system is very, very high, and that wouldn't account for it. Yeah, but it's at least closer to the truth than people would have ever been. Yeah, oh no, it's a really good theory. At least in terms of if you're just taking what what the current hypothesis is to be true, it's closer to the truth. So other formation hypotheses are things like that they accreted together in the accretion disk so that they actually formed as part of the same accretion disk. But mm, but the most common um, is the uh, giant impact hypothesis. Yeah, the giant impact hypothesis. So... Yeah, go on, explain what the giant impact hypothesis is. Yeah, so sometimes is. called the big splash or mm-hmm. the Thea impact. Yeah, yeah. It's this idea that this hypothetical planet called Thea, um, which is about the size of Mars, collided into Earth about 4.5 billion years ago. Mm-hmm. So like very early on in, in, human, in, in um, the Earth's development. Uh, so like cause the Earth is only something like 4.6 billion years old, so it's very early early days mm. yeah the earth is still like a molten-ish rock well yeah it's very early on in the formation of the solar system so the the, the earth is yeah it's it's it might you know it might be unrecognizable as the earth mightn't it yeah yeah it's it's, it's called proto-earth because proto-earth, it because yeah. it's still yet to, to gain most of its mass or like a most, a, a big chunk, a of, big its chunk of its mass yeah, yeah exactly so so what so there's a there's a mars-sized planet that's kind of accidentally drifted in yeah. Or drifted out. I don't know which way round. Or maybe just hurtled into the solar system. Yeah, it could system. be at the same height yeah. as Earth's orbit. But but the idea is the re- the reasons this 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 um hypothesis is proposed um is because the Earth's spin and the moon's orbit both have similar or- or orientations. Mm. That's one of the reasons. Another is that the height yeah, you were saying that the high angular momentum, mm-hmm. this is a thing that's quite unusual. And this 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 hypothesis does ex- uh, at least some way explain that as well. It's it's a, it's a lot bigger than the other inner rocky planets, isn't it? That that the, the overall angular momentum, and of course, one of the ways of explaining that is that you've had a giant impact that sped the whole system up. So yeah. you, you've got this, you know, you've got this amount of energy that's come in, and and um, that that has supplied this excess momentum. The way that the moon is sort of made shows that it was molten at one point, so that, that the moon had been this like giant molten blob at some point. But it, it could have only have been caused by a very, very energetic process, like a massive collision. Um, and do you know who... Do, do, the first person that talked about massive collisions of planets, by the way, is Lord Kelvin. Inventor of the Kelvin system. Yeah, and lots of other things. We've talked about Lord Kelvin a lot on this podcast, but he was, you know, one of the very first people that even suggested the idea of planetary collisions and what that might be like. He didn't come up with this. In fact, it's amazing the 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 great impact hypothesis is a really modern hypothesis as well. There was a there was a conference, a get this for the name of the conference, the Origin of the Moon conference. What are they discussing there? Uh, <laughs> the Origin of the Moon, much like what we're discussing now, and that was held in Hawaii in a place called Kona uh, on October the thirteenth, October sixteenth, nineteen eighty four. So this is pretty recent, nineteen eighty four, and this was the first time that that the mega impact hypothesis had sort of come up as a very strong contender and everyone was starting to take it take it really seriously and it wasn't because of any kind of new information that was coming in it was just purely because 
of the fact that people had taken the hypothesis serious for a while and had and had started looking at it and going oh wow this actually kind of really um really like fits the data you know this yeah. this looks really this looks really really interesting but here's an interesting thought about that impact that impact would have been so energetic that earth the post impact earth would have behaved like a brown dwarf for about 100 years so the amount of energy would have been glowing it's just so hot that it was it was yeah, it essentially have, a star for a bit yeah it would have had a, an atmosphere of silicate vapor <laughs> it was so hot yeah and so it would yeah so it would have had this sort of extended photosphere that was about 2000 kelvin uh, and that and if you'd have been uh, if you'd have been an astronomer in a nearby star system you would have seen that as a as a brown dwarf you would have just thought oh my god what's going on there and so that really hints at a way of maybe providing tests for the theory that you could kind of look out for these kind of short-lived uh brown dwarfs which would imply an ex- the existence uh, of a similar thing happening yeah exactly uh, one of my favorite parts about this um this model is that that it contains what's known as a, a synestia, which is a just a general term for basically a donut planet, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of it's where you have a, a really rapidly spinning system of rocks, such that the centrifugal force uh, is more than the gravity of that system. Mm-hmm. So th- so the idea would be directly after the impact, you would have had for thousands of years this like just spinning donut that would be a molten donut a molten donut that would be a mixture of earth and the moon have you ever been to a fair and had an accidentally had like a molten donut one of those ones where the jam inside is so hot it 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 permanently disfigures your mouth (laughs) why why, why are the donuts being heated like that oh because when you when you're at the fair you you know like when you go buying from the bakery they're cold but like so you can get like in like Places they will do the make the donut there in front of you with in in boiling fat and then the strawberry jams inside getting molten moltenly hot. Yeah, so imagine one of those. <laughs> that is what the Earth and the Moon. Well, it may have looked like. May that, have looked like that's in the giant. Only, yeah, that's that's a sort of extra part of the hypothesis, isn't it? To sort of get rid of some of the things that are a little bit troublesome with the. Um, with the giant impact hypothesis, isn't yeah. It? The problem with this synestia is like with the brown dwarfs, like short-lived brown dwarfs. We haven't seen these things occur in other solar systems, which would suggest either they're rare, hard to spot, or um, they don't exist. Yeah, and of course, one of the one of the big downsides to this theory, one of the things that they're trying that that that's kind of like. It's not, it's not a slam dunk, this theory. And one of the big ones is Thea, as it comes in, smashes into the Earth. And a lot of the Earth's mantle should have come off and, and sort of formed the moon. That's all very good. But there should have been a large chunk of Thea that also came off and would have been in the moon. And therefore, the composition of the moon and the composition of Earth should be less similar. But when the Apollo astronauts collected rocks and things like that, and they've looked at, at uh, lunar meteorites and things like that, the, then the isotope content from both is very, very similar. So, which would imply that not it, it isn't an impact, but rather 
the moon is just formed completely of matter made from Earth. Mm, there's there's a few ways around it. There's a few ways around it. I guess Thea would have been created roughly in the same way that Earth was. No. Well, no, this is the point. The likelihoods... So, yeah, this is... Astronomers have thought about that. And the likelihoods of another planetary body not formed in the area of the Earth is, uh, it, it, it being of similar composition is wildly unlikely. Because Venus is nothing like the Earth in terms of its composition, neither is Mars. The isotopes are all completely different. So it's 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 incredibly unlikely that you would see something similar. So surely that's a slam dunk for the hypothesis then. That as in it's a, it's game over for it. Yeah, if if it's unlikely that a, a no, planet but, can form with the yeah, similar composition. So, yeah, but here's here's here, there are a few get out. There are a few ways that it could happen. So imagine Thea blasts into the Earth, right, and smashes into the Earth. Big chunk of it comes off. Also, a big chunk of the Earth comes off, and then it's now molten at a certain orbit. Now, maybe Earth had been hit by previous other impacts, or maybe it had little tiny moons around it anyway. Now, what happens with this great big molten ball is that it's it slowly drifts out and all those moons, it basically mops up all those old moons. And of course, what happens there is the old moons that are made up of the same thing as Earth get deposited all over the surface of the moon so that you have this moon covered in old bits of Earth. And so and so that's why we would... So you'd have to dig down a lot yeah, deeper. Yeah, so if you dag... Uh, dag. dag, yeah. <laughs> We're back the, to William Shakespeare, past tense William Shakespeare. <laughs> if you dug um, really far down in the moon and found that the composition there was vastly different to us, mm-hmm. would would this be evidence then for, for the hypothesis? Yeah, I think that would help out. Because, yeah, that is one way out where you can just say the impact, the mechanics in the impacts would be such that just based on probability, the the stuff that makes up Earth makes it to the outside and the stuff that made the impactor is on the inside. Yeah. And and so you, you would you get you kind of get rid of that. Like if that you chucked problem. if you chucked, I don't know, up a bit of feta covered in egg yolk at some breadcrumbs. <laughs> you're likely like you're likely to get a thing which is <laughs> It's feta covered in breadcrumbs, right? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not going to get breadcrumbs covered in feta or an even yeah, mix of yeah, them. Yeah, no, true. So, yes, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get your point. So, yes, that, I mean, that's so that's one way out of it. And there's, you know, there's variations on the giant impact hypothesis. So you could have... Yeah, it's like an umbrella term. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's not, as in the, the... I think the giant impact hypothesis now really is like very specific computer simulations of Thea coming in and creating this, you know... The so way why, that, why isn't the it impact, called like a theory then? It's nowhere near up to theory level evidence for it. There's it- a lot of evidence for it. I mean, we, we haven't even discussed like one of the sort of really exciting bits of evidence for it is the fact that the Earth has been slightly knocked off its axis. So it's obviously had a major impact and it's, and, and, and its axis gives us our, you know, weather. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the moon and the fact that we've been tipped off our axis and the fact that the moon's there now holding us stably in that off-axis orbit is unbelievably important for the for for the stability 
of Earth's weather systems to be able to support life and for life to actually yeah sort for of seasons and things seasons to, and everything to occur. yeah. You seasons know, uh, are a good selection process. Yeah, seasons are a great selection process, as are tides. And you might, you know, like things like the amount of radiation and and, sele- and like seasons. Yeah, are sort of in the in the sweet spot sweet spot between killing off too many <laughs> yeah uh, animals, and, but also driving, but, but, but driving, but being a bit harsh harsh enough to to yeah. drive evolution. Yeah. So you know, it's it's it, the moon and that impact are incredibly important for life on Earth, probably. They're so probably... isn't it a major coincidence that we find ourselves on the planet that has, you know... Has life. <laughs> <laughs> I has, think has that's the... a, some form of tautological yeah, mistake. Yeah, some sort of anthropic <laughs> bias. <laughs> but, yeah, sort of. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, there, there are... Yeah, so you could, you could have had a merger of planets as well. So it could be that maybe two mani- uh, planets merged together and smashed together and then uh, formed... Um, uh, formed the earth moon system it could be that there was multiple impacts that that you know over time there's lots and lots and lots of different impacts there's your donut hypothesis i think it's true just because it's funny yeah it would be i mean it would be so good wouldn't it to visit a star system where one of the planets was still in a donut shape yeah it's just like the odd one out and then it's just like a donut <laughs> the of course i mean obviously over time the sort of big other hypothesis i mean is the capture one for example maybe the moon wasn't formed anywhere near us and and it was captured by earth's orbit but that seems highly unlikely because the moon is so big that if the earth was to try and capture it its atmosphere would have to be unfeasibly large and dense (laughs) for the moon to sort of be dragged into the into into earth's orbit that's not the only it could just pass close like it's not necessarily caused by the atmospheric breaking no i don't think that's necessarily the main but it would be the only way to capture something as big as uh, as the moon no no because you're litho breaking it's like literally hitting it oh yeah 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 yeah, okay yeah so the moon could have come in and, and, and and whacked into the surface of the earth but it would probably have just been fully absorbed if that was the case no, but it's the sweet spot between yeah, mate, I, not being fully absorbed. Yeah, and sort of. but but not only it just doesn't look feasible, and the fact that the moon is very similar composition to the Earth again kind of puts the nail in the coffin of the capture hypothesis. Yeah, but, so but I'll, helicopters. I would imagine there's still people that believe that helicopters don't look feasible, Dad. But you know that doesn't mean that they're not possible. One exciting one is that the moon could have been caused by a giant nuclear explosion. So that's the, the centrifugal force of an earlier spinning proto-Earth uh, would have concentrated all the heavy elements such as thorium and uranium and all that uh, and gone critical and caused a natural nuclear explosion. So basically the hypothesis is the, nu- the Earth wasn't a nuclear bomb. A massive bomb. nuclear bomb, yeah. That's quite a cool theory. Another one is that Earth nicked the moon off Venus. Which explains why Venus doesn't have a moon. Yeah, but one of the other explanations for Venus not having a moon is because Mercury and Venus are interfered with by the sun's by the sun's. Yeah, the further you go much. out, the the more likely you are to grab have moons have because moons because the sun's not being a naughty. Yeah, Norman because the you uh, your the sphere of influence is much bigger because the the sun is further away. Hmm. The Lagrange points will then you know are yeah. further out. Yeah, often we think of the moon as being freakishly large compared to, you know, its planet, which it seems to be. 
but maybe we can't we don't really know because you've got venus and mercury that that you can't count because they're too close to the sun and, and are being interfered with the sun and then you can't really compare it to saturn and jupiter because they're completely different they're and, huge. Ga- and they're huge and gaseous um but if you take all of jupiter's moons and add them together the ratio of mass isn't too dissimilar between the earth and its moon and the rocky core of Jupiter and its moon. But Earth's moon still, it, 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 unless you don't include, as long as you don't include Pluto, Earth's, uh, the ratio of Earth to moon is the is the biggest, is the smallest yeah. ratio from planet to, to moon of any, yeah. in, of any planet. Yeah, Pluto system. and Sharon obviously is, is Yeah, they're basically like a binary. But both of them are smaller than the moon. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Which is why it got demoted because it's just yeah. You can't call that a planet if it's if it's smaller than the moon. Yeah, I mean the moon is bigger than all the dwarf planets in the solar system as well by quite a long way. Yeah, well, like not not by a long way, but but it's no, but quite a long way. It's 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 considerably bigger than Pluto, and it's considerably big, bigger than uh, uh, Ceres and Make Make and all those kind of weird <laughs> and ones. Qu- what's the other? The Qu. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, I don't know all the dwarf planets by heart. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's what's amazing is that like it, we're still finding out loads about the subject of the moon and 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 the way that all the different kind of how old the rocks are, how old the moon must be, the isotope uh, information that sort of tells you how similar it is to Earth and how dissimilar it is to Earth. And of course, one of the really exciting things we should talk about water on the moon is is I guess one of the sort of big news stories, isn't it, of the of the last few years. So when was when was the water first found on the moon? Then it's been hypothesised for a few decades. Right? The French so- the French uh, named the dark patches on the moon as lakes. Or seas. Well, yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the mares and yeah. So it was thought it was thought to have at seas. some point. It was thought to have seas, yeah. But of course, they're just dried up lava beds. Yeah, sort that, of like seas in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, except you wouldn't want to go swimming in them <laughs> when they were molten, <laughs> flowing around the surface. Um, but yeah, obviously, the, the, to have water on the surface of the moon is completely. There's no way you can have water on the surface of the moon that's being exposed to sunlight because the solar radiation will do this thing called photo disassociation. In other words, it, water is like being shot at by a billion bullets from the solar yeah, it radiation. Yeah, boils water. And, uh, yeah, it There's no just, atmosphere to stop yeah, it. Which, well, it smashes the atoms apart. It smashes the molecules to bits. Um, so you, you, can't have, you can't have water on the surface. However, in the 60s... Um, scientists did realize that you could have comets that may be landing on the moon and and the fragments of those would end up in craters that were permanently in shadow but not only that the solar wind itself could actually interact with these very oxygen rich lunar rocks as well and create water on the surface that as as long as it was hitting shadowed craters you'd you'd end up um with a little bit of water there yeah because the thing about the moon there's no atmosphere or there's barely well, an there's atmosphere barely, there's how, like how is it, 10, is, 10, 10 tons, tons of atmosphere the entire atmosphere yeah covering the whole of the moon which is like a bit ludicrous yeah but but the because it doesn't have an atmosphere there's no there's no refraction or diffusion of light 
that can get to shadows. So, for example, like for the Earth, you have the sunlight as the main light, mm. but most of like a lot of the lighting in in shadows and, and occluded parts are still lit by yeah the uh, you know the the blue sky yeah well and the it, atmosphere yeah, in the UK glowing atmosphere UK yeah. it's just mostly diffusion right it's just grey like <laughs> it's it's shadows just... don't shadows don't exist here but <laughs> yeah so but but on somewhere like the moon where there's no atmosphere it's diffusing like the light of UK. It's, yes it's every shadow is very sharp. And so, yes, there's loads of uh, permanent shadow. Guess how many uh, square kilometers or square miles, I'll, I'll let you have that, of water that there is. Well, how many square miles of um, permanent shadow are there on the moon? Ten. Ten square miles? No, 5,400 square miles of shadowed area are these appropriate places to put a a base yeah so i mean yeah i mean absolutely so what what you want to do is build your uh, mars habitats on mars and your lunar (laughs) habitat you want to build on the moon and you you want to yeah you want to build it near these places where you may get water i mean but but not just near them i mean like would you want to just put your habitats there so you don't have to worry about radiation and stuff yeah but but if if you're in shadow i suppose you might have problems communicating with the earth you just you just put your dish like on a wire just on the edge yeah yeah of the crater yeah i mean i mean maybe i mean maybe that that would be a a good thing but it would be pitch black as well down there remember um yeah but but you know there's been lots of um satellites that have probes space probes lunar satellites i suppose that have gone gone to check out this water so clementine was one and and in 1994 um basically confirmed that there were signatures of water on the on the lunar surface although arecibo uh, r.i.p arecibo of course Rip. um suggested that 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 it over kind of um stated those um but there's been, but there's been, you know, 1998 lunar prospector that was finding water. Chandrayaan, the great Indian uh, orbiter from 2008, Chandrayaan one, um, confirmed the existence of water ice on the surface. Uh, so you know, it's 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 the anal- you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of these spacecraft in recent years have been, you know, confirming that there's water on the surface. So in 2020. Um, molecular water was found on the sunlit surface of the moon by things like SOFIA, the the, the uh, that telescope that's mounted on a seven four seven. Have they found black superionic ice? They haven't found black superionic the ice. Eleventh state of matter. <laughs> the eleventh or twelfth state of matter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get it again? Uh, so you. you- Put ice under really high pressure and then fire it with super lasers. Super lasers, yeah, and then you get a new state of matter. <laughs> Very useful. The only place in the in the universe where it exists is in a lab. It's in a lab. I don't even know whether it's been made or whether it's just hypothetical. I think I think you have to make it in order to confirm it's it's a real state of matter. Mm. The recipe to seems oddly specific for it not to have been done. Mm. Do you know what the name of the sort of bulgy shape of the moon is. I don't know. What is it? A scalene ellipsoid. Could have guessed that. Could you? Yeah. Another really interesting thing is that we know that the moon is drifting away from the Earth because of the because of 
reflectors put on the surface by Apollo astronauts. But but we could it has been known before then um, by you know. Well, there's lots of yeah, there's lots of you can you can calculate it using Newtonian mechanics. Yeah, well, there, there's lots of really in, there's lots of interlocking jigsaw puzzle pieces of scientific knowledge that keep confirming it that also help to confirm other bits of scientific knowledge. Yeah, it's definitely true that it's going away because not only do you have the reflectors on the moon, (laughs) but you can also calculate it without them. One of my favourite bits of evidence is a very recent piece of evidence where there's these shell-like animals that uh, have, have been around for millions and millions and millions of years. And they put on a layer of they put on a layer of shell every day, and that layer of shell <laughs> will tell you just like tree rings how long the day was. <laughs> so so it'll tell you literally day by day what the weather was like when that animal was alive. I guess the problem with this is you can only know like th- this like you can only know the length of the days on Earth during the time this animal was alive no it's it's, it's alive now no, like no it, i mean it, but i mean like there's this earth this moon earth impacts happened oh yeah no it was way before then before. yes but, no but what but what it shows is that like you know maybe a billion years ago when this thing was around still this shell like animal the the days were a lot shorter and the days were a lot shorter because the earth is spinning faster and then the moon is then stealing some of that spin to drift its orbit out further so and further. So it's got, it's got like a kind of perpetual gravity assist going on. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And so it's being pushed into a larger and larger orbit by the fact that it's stealing momentum. It's stealing the the yeah the angular momentum. Yeah, because every Earth's time spin. every time a satellite goes by Earth to to get a gravity assist, mm. it's slightly lengthening the day a bit. Yeah, and if you if you reverse, so if you measure how far it's drifting. Uh, from the Apollo reflectors, like a centimetre a year or whatever it is, and then reverse that, the data from that exactly matches the fossil record of these shell-like animals. And it's a perfect example. Yeah, so that's of, like the third data point for yeah. what, for how much it's going and, away. And that's great for scientists where, where you've got like a really, really solid piece of knowledge and that every time it's tested, it, 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 it by anything... Yeah, that's that's true for a lot of things where you just have like th- three three independent things which all agree with yeah, each other. Yeah, really agree very strongly with each other, and every time. But I, what's even more exciting for scientists is when a fourth piece of information comes along, and it's like this doesn't fit the data at all. And now now you've got to find out why. You've got to find out why that is. And I guess that's the you know the same with this you know the great impact hypothesis. There's lots of reasons to think that it's right. But there's also some annoying anomalies in there that make you think, oh, maybe it's maybe it's not right, uh, you know. And it, and that's mainly down to the fact that the composition of Earth and Moon are too similar. You know, it's like, oh, damn, they're just a little bit too similar. You'd expect, yeah, but feta cheese, Dad. It's the feta cheese with breadcrumbs. Uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> do Do you think you were thinking of feta cheese because of the the name of Theta, the the Mars like planet that crashed into? Oh uh, no, that's just like the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking of bread like breading things uh, I think it's a Greek de- delicacy feta cheese and breadcrumbs it's Thea isn't it not Theta is yeah it it's Thea Theta, theta is a uh, Greek symbol yeah, usually denoting angles the moon 
in <laughs> essence, George, it isn't made of cheese. It, but it is made of talcum powder. But it, And it's solid. It's not a hollow uh, object where Nazis are hiding inside. But but there are there is an ancient alien civilization that used the moon as a spacecraft and they made the pyramids. That's just a fact. Who is it? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm a little bit confused about all the stuff we've been talking about. So do you know what the first artificial object to reach the moon was? Was it a Russian? It was thing? Russian. It was Russian, yeah. Was it the um Sputnik eight? No. It's, it's 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 actually quite a boring name. Luna Two. Ah, oh, they could they should have called it Moonly Two. So that was in 1959. So very early. So what was the first successful hard landing? Was or litho break as I yeah, like. Yeah, well, call that it. was Luna Two. They can't be both. <laughs> no, it's the first. No, no, I'm saying no. I haven't told you when when Luna Nine was. Luna Nine was the first soft landing. Oh right, and that sorry. That was 1966. So it took them seven years to sort of get it right. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's pretty cool, though. In 1959, that is really early, isn't it? That is pretty early, as yeah. far as technology goes. I mean, they, like, they haven't even invented the prop, like a proper computer then. No. And how many men have been on the moon? 20. 20? No, no, four, 14. Oh, close. The 12. 12, yeah. 12 moon, 12 moon have been on the men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes. Uh, yeah. And yes, and and they were the people that brought back the rocks that um, have helped people understand. Perhaps thousands of tardigrades have been to the moon. Perhaps on that Israeli and mission, billions of of viruses and bacteria. Yeah, almost definitely billions of viruses. Perhaps even trillions. Maybe even scabillions. Or the. I heard some ridiculous fact about viruses. Really? Yeah, if you got all the viruses on Earth and put them end-to-end, how far do you think they'd stretch? Seven light years? It is something ridiculous like that. Yeah, yeah. I have heard this fact as well. <laughs> like, it goes past Alpha Centauri. Yeah, way past. <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. so far. Also, human DNA is 7% ancient virus mm. that have accumulated over billions of years. Yeah. I'm going to say bye-bye to the Spodcats because that's a long and hard episode to edit. So, uh, uh, bye-bye, Spodcats. Goodbye.